One of the saddest episodes in the life of the Apostle Peter was his denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And far from minimizing that particular event or treating it as a mere aberration in his life, a life that was largely faithful, that ended in a heroic martyrdom when he was crucified upside down, the Holy Spirit actually highlights it. In fact, he mentions it in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about Peter's denial of Jesus. And so that provides us with a very faithful record. And God is always faithful in his records concerning the lives of men. Uh, We think of the Old Testament character David. Wonderful man. He's described as a man after God's own heart. And yet the Spirit of God sees fit to speak of him as one who largely followed the Lord and did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, except in the matter of her that was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. The Lord didn't overlook that sin. He didn't airbrush it from David's biography. He mentioned it because in all things, the Lord is a faithful biographer. Sometimes human biographies are a little bit deficient in this area because men or women can be written about and their faults and their failures are passed over and you would think when you read about them that they were angels come down from heaven and that they never did anything wrong. But that's not a faithful record. And the Holy Spirit gives us a faithful record concerning Simon Peter. But that story, that narrative of Peter's denial of Jesus is intended for us to be a fearful record as well. The reason that the Lord highlights this, the reason that he mentions it in all four Gospels, surely is that it provides a word of necessary warning to all Christians. Even to those in the Lord's work, even to ministers of the Gospel. And the message is simply this, if one of the principal preachers of the gospel in the New Testament was so weak and so erring as to deny the Lord Jesus Christ with oaths and curses, as the Bible puts it, then that has to be a wake-up call for all Christians. There's none of us that is above this. Sometimes we look at someone else's sins and we're inclined to say, What a terrible thing that was. And yet if we remember what the scripture says, we might be humbled by the thought, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We recall when Paul wrote to the Christians there in Galatia, he exhorted them, ye which are spiritual... To restore someone who's overtaken in a fault. Galatians 6 verse 1. But he uses this term. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We remember what the Lord talked about. Casting 
the moat out of somebody else's eye when there's a beam in your own eye, basically a little scalp, a little speck of wood in somebody else's eye, but there's a big plank in your own. We always have to be very careful to understand that whatever the sins of others, we're capable of the same things ourselves if it's not for the grace of God withholding us. And so in this way, it should also prove to be, this message about Peter, a fruitful record. It'll be fruitful if it produces what the Lord wants it to produce, which is watchfulness and prayerfulness in God's people. We look at what is written of Peter and realize that these things are written for our learning. They're written for our admonition. And we must take account of what is written about Peter's denial so that we can learn for ourselves the lessons that we need to learn. Again, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Let's not be too hard on Peter when we consider ourselves and what we're capable of if the Lord's hand is not upon us. Now I mentioned that Peter's denial is found in four Gospels. You will read about it if you care to look, not now, of course, but when you go home. Matthew chapter 26, John chapter 18, and Luke's Gospel chapter 22. But here we have it before us in the passage that we're studying, Mark chapter 14. The faithful record of the denial of Christ by Peter. Now if we were to take the words as they appear in Mark, it tells us that Peter denied the Lord three times. You see it in Mark 14, verse 68, but he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. That's in answer to the young woman, the maid of the high priest, who said, you were with Jesus of Nazareth. You were there. Peter said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Verse 69, a maid saw him again, began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. He's one of his disciples. Verse 70 says, and he denied it again. So there's number two. And then a little while after, they that stood by said again to Peter, surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. We know by your accent. We know by the way you talk, Peter, you're a Galilean. You're one of the disciples of Jesus. Verse 71 says, But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. So here he is really angry and denying for a third time that he ever knew the Lord. Now there's no doubt that this was a grave sin. This was a great sin. Let us not minimize it. And we know that it was a sin committed by Peter's tongue. He didn't do anything with his hand. He didn't go anywhere that he shouldn't have gone. He simply sinned with his tongue. He said three times, I don't know him. I'm not with him. You've got the wrong man. He sinned with his tongue. If we were to study James chapter 3, we would find out from those verses just how bad 
the sin of the tongue is. How grave are sins of the tongue. We're actually reminded in that passage that the tongue is a very small member, but it is set on fire of hell. Think about that. The damage that can be done by words. Someone said the tongue is very small, but it's found in a wet place and it slips very easily. And we all know that, don't we, by experience. How often we would love to put our hand out and catch the words that we've just spoken and bring them back in, but we can't. It was with his tongue that Peter promised, of course, never to desert the Lord. This is what he said. If you go back to Matthew 26, to his rendering of this incident, in Matthew 26, from verse number 31, the Holy Spirit records, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye, and he's talking about all of his disciples, shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered. You know, it's interesting to read about Peter in the Gospels. He's always the first one to open his mouth. Always. Peter is like a self-appointed spokesperson for the disciples. It's always Peter who has something to say. Now, that was a good thing in some respects. Peter was the first one to defend the Lord in the garden when he was under attack. Peter was the first one, in fact, the only one to get out of the boat to walk to Jesus. No man in history has ever done that but Peter. So, when we're being tough on Peter, let's remember what a good and godly man he was. What a man of faith he was. What a courageous man he was. But here he is. Though all men shall be offended, Matthew 26, 33, because of thee, yet will I never be offended. So it doesn't matter what other people do. Other people will deny you, Lord. Other people will forsake you. I never will. Jesus said unto him, Verily, and it means, of course, truly, truly, I say unto thee that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And let's not miss this. Likewise also said all the disciples. So they all fell in behind Peter and said, That's true, we're not going to do it either, Lord. We're never going to deny you. But that tongue and those lips and that mouth that Peter used to profess that he would never leave the Lord, he broke that promise with that same tongue before that day was out. This is a grave sin. And I say this because of the aggravating circumstances of that sin. Think about Peter. Peter is a man of great privilege. He has enjoyed the company of the Lord Jesus for over three years now. He's been with him every day. He has known from Christ nothing but love and compassion and kindness and goodness and mercy. The Lord has constantly been gracious to Peter. 
And now he denies that he even knows the Lord. Can you imagine such a thing? Now, Peter had been warned about his great danger in denying the Lord Jesus. After all, he had just come from the Lord's Supper that had been instituted by Jesus, and he heard the comforting words of Christ. You can read what's known as the Paschal Discourse in John chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, and then the great prayer of chapter 17. What privileges Simon Peter knew, but he denied Christ. And when we think about it, it was a sin that he, of all people, should have been watchful against. Peter should have been watchful. He had been clearly warned. But I want you to notice this as well in the account of Mark. Mark 14, from verse 66. It tells us that Peter was beneath in the palace. And then there's the account of the the different people coming and asking him if he knew the Lord. It says in verse 67 of Mark 14, And when this maid, when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. Now think about this. The Lord told him, before that cockerel crows twice, you will deny me three times. So here's this rooster, and he's crowing, and Peter hears it. Should that not be enough right away for Peter to think, oh, wait a minute. Here's this cockerel crowing. What did the Lord just say to me? Before he crows a second time, you'll have denied me three times. So when you consider this, Peter should have ceased his denials right then, shouldn't he? He denied the Lord to this young maid. He hears the cock crowing and he should think, oh, oh, the Lord said, if he crows a second time, I'll have denied him three times. I better stop right here. Here was a clear warning to stop. But he went on with his sinning. And again, if we consider John's account, John chapter 18, it's really important, by the way, to, to look at the various accounts and line them up. And if you could get four Bibles and open them at the relevant portions, it'll be helpful. If not, you can go onto some of these sites and you can actually on, well, just on a regular computer, you can get the four portions and just have them right there before you. In John chapter 18 and verses 15 and 16, it says this, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Someone remarked, happy would it have been for Peter if he had stayed outside the door. But he didn't. 
When Peter found that door shut, what he should have done was not continue to stand there, but he should have gone away. Because if you think of it, it was by the providence of God that that door was shut. That was a warning before Peter to leave off at that point. But he didn't. And sometimes, folks, God puts impediments in our way. When we're decided to do a certain thing or to follow a certain course, we are determined that we're going to do that. And we should understand when the Lord puts impediments in our way that that is not to be thought of lightly. We should be thinking carefully about what we're going to do if the Lord looks like he's stopping us. But being so willful and deliberate, Peter's sin was a grave and great sin. But I want you to notice as well that the sin of Peter in denying the Lord was gradual. This was not something that just happened. Now, it is true, it didn't take a very long time for him to deny the Lord. He did so in a short space of time, three times. But there had to have been a series of steps leading up to that when he denied the Lord. This didn't just happen like the flick of a switch. I agree with one preacher who said this, quote, Great falls seldom happen to a Christian without a previous course of secret backsliding. Let me repeat that. Great falls seldom happen to a Christian without a previous course of secret backsliding. And you check it out. In the lives of those who get away from God and go out, go out into deep sin, it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen in a moment or two that they're walking with God and they're faithful and serving Him, and they're praying, and they're reading the Word, and they're in church, and they're under the sound of the Word of God, and all of a sudden they're not. No, it happens gradually. The seeds are sown. The seeds of decay and decline. In Peter's case, we can identify several steps in his backsliding course. In the first place, we've mentioned it already, the, the presumption that Peter showed. We see it here in Mark 14. We've read Matthew's account of it. Look at it in Mark 14, from verse 29. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. There it is. Even if everybody else leaves you, Lord, I will never do that. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crows twice, God shall deny me twice, but he spake the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Now let me just say this. Peter was sincere. Peter was sincere in what he said. He wasn't deliberately lying. I think Peter really believed that he could never deny the Lord. I think Peter felt that he was such a strong believer that he could never do that which Jesus said he was going to do. He was guilty, as others have been, of a foolish self-confidence. You know, just as soon as you or I would say, well, I would never do that, you're already in trouble. 
I would never do that. I would never sin in that way. Really? Really? You wouldn't? How do you know that? Based in the right, or I could say the wrong circumstances, there's no telling what you would do. I'll never deny the Lord. Yet the Bible tells us, whoso trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And really when Peter said what he said, he wasn't just guilty of presumption, but also of pride. This was foolish pride. No matter what other people do, I'm not going to do that. Matthew 26 again, verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. What does the Bible say in Proverbs? Pride cometh before a fall and a haughty spirit before a fall. I think it's also true that Peter was guilty in a sense of prayerlessness. We, we already studied what it says about Gethsemane in Mark 14. Remember the Lord took Peter, James and John with him to pray. But he comes to verse 37 and he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. There it is. There's the seed right there of his fall. Lest ye enter into temptation. Watch ye and pray. Because the spirit is ready for the flesh is weak. You need to be praying, Peter. But instead of watching and praying, Peter sleeps. And when we come to the latter part of the chapter, Peter is now guilty of pretense. He's pretending not to be a disciple. Where is it? Verse 54 says, And Peter followed him afar off at a distance, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. So while the Lord is inside, being grilled, being questioned, Peter's outside, and he's sitting with the servants of the high priest, warming himself at the fire. These are the people who bound the Lord and who took him away to be crucified or took him away to be tried. What's Peter doing with them? Why is Peter sitting with them, warming his hands at the fire? Well, what, what, is, what he's doing is pretending to be one of them. And that's further made known. It's further illustrated by Luke chapter 22. In Luke 22, verse 54 and 55, Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were sat down together, Peter sat down among them. I just underline that. Peter sat down among them. Are we not reminded of the first Psalm, verse 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
What's Peter doing there in the midst of these enemies of the Lord? He's pretending to be one of them. That's a sad thing when you find that in a Christian, in ungodly company, pretending to be just like them. And we notice that this led on to Peter's profanity because he denied the Lord with oaths and curses. The kind of language that you would normally associate with ungodly people. Not with believers, but with the enemies of Christ. With oaths and curses. I say this is a gradual sin. It didn't take a long time to deny the Lord, but there were a whole series of steps that led to the downfall of Peter. In one of my cars, I'm dealing at the moment with a tire that is bugging me to death. Because it's not flat all the time. It's got a slow leak. And so I'll fill it up with air. And it's fine. For about two weeks. And then I get the little signal that comes up on my dash. The tire pressure in your right hand side. Driver's side or passenger side. uh, Is low. And I discover that it's lost about 15 pounds of air. And my wife keeps telling me you need to go get it fixed. You need to take it up to wherever and get it taken care of. But the reason I haven't done that is because it's a slow leak. And I just said, well, I'll pull into the gas station and I'll just pump that up and it'll be fine. Somebody said when a Christian backslides, when someone gets away from the Lord, it's usually a slow leak and it's hardly ever a complete blowout. You know what a blowout is in your tire? When you're going along, boof! And it's gone. That's it. It's flat. And you're down on the rim. And you've got to stop. And change the tire. And get it fixed. But a slow leak is different. And this is what happened with Peter. J.C. Ryle said this. The church and the world are sometimes shocked by the sudden misconduct of some great professor of religion. Believers are discouraged and stumbled by it. The enemies of God rejoice and blaspheme. But if the truth could be known, the explanation of such cases would generally be found to have been private departure from God. Men fall privately long before they fall in public. The tree falls with a great crash, but the secret decay which accounts for it is often not discovered till it is down on the ground. And you see, Peter was already on the way down before he denied the Lord that evening. What a message there is for us. We need to keep short accounts with God. We need to bring our sins and get them under the blood. We need to continue to be on praying ground. Because one day turns into two days, and two days turns into a week, and a week turns into two weeks, and it turns into a month. And before you know it, you haven't even touched your Bible for a long time. I read a story the other day of a minister who visited a family in his congregation. And after about a year, the lady of the home plucked up the courage to call the pastor and say, Pastor, Remember we had dessert when you were at our home? What did you do with the spoon? 
Because that spoon is a part of a really important set of cutlery that I have. It means a lot to me and I can't find it. The pastor said, I put it inside your Bible. Oh, that's where it is. That's a true story, by the way. I didn't do it. But that's a true story. Wow. I can imagine how red that person's face was on the other end of that phone. What a lesson. We need to be walking with God every day. And if we say that we can't take time, well, we must make time for the Lord. We always can make time for everything else. Peter's sin was gradual, but Peter's sin was ultimately grieving. Obviously, we can say that it was grieving to the Lord. That is a given. It was grieving to the Lord. Now, the Lord predicted it. Let's see this. The Lord Jesus said it right there. Peter, you are going to deny me three times before that cockerel crows twice. That's it. The Lord foretold it. He predicted it. And yet, though that's true, it was still grieving to the heart of Christ. Surely, the Lord was not happy with Peter's behavior here. Of course not. Because Peter is sinning greatly against the Savior. He's behaving like somebody that's not saved. Luke 22 verse 32 tells us that the Lord Jesus, speaking to Simon Peter on one occasion, said, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Yes, Peter would come back. He would be restored to the Lord. And it's a wonderful story. But Peter's sin was grieving to the Lord. One of our hymns speaks about this. Having grieved him with a thousand falls. But is it not true that Peter's sin was grieving to his own soul as well? See this very clearly in Mark 14.72. And the second time the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crew twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Now it's good to compare what the Bible records in Matthew 26 and also in Luke chapter 22. In Matthew 26, Verse 74 and 75, you have his version of events. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. So that's another little added nuance to this. Mark says, when he thought thereon, he wept. Matthew says, he wept bitterly. In Luke's Gospel, the chapter 22, verse 61 and 62, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. That's something you don't read in these other Gospels. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. 
What a sad record this is of Peter's sin. He is brought to tears by his denial of the Lord Jesus. And you know, whenever we sin against the Lord, it always ends in tears. There's a very real connection to be made between unhappiness and departure from God or backsliding. The backslider is not a happy person. The person who's away from the Lord is not content. And he's the worst and the saddest of all individuals because he's saved and therefore he's spoiled for the world. He's been converted from the world, from a sinful lifestyle. He doesn't want to be in that lifestyle anymore. But he's also spoiled in spiritual terms in that he's not walking with God. So he's kind of in a limbo land. Unhappy. Away from the Lord. He's not in fellowship with the world really, but he's not in fellowship with Christ. And so Peter's sin, as it always does in such cases brought him real sorrow, real sadness. This was a grieving sin. And we learn from Peter that great weakness can be found in real Christians. Let's not put people on pedestals. Whether they be ministers or fellow Christians, we can certainly have respect for men who serve the Lord. We can have respect for our fellow believers, but let's not idolize them. Let's not put them on a pedestal. Once we do that, we're in for a real problem whenever they don't meet our expectations. Peter is, it's clear, a man of true faith. He's a, he's a servant of the Lord. I could give you example after example of that from the Gospels that, that proves this. And Jesus has prayed for Peter, as we've already seen in Luke chapter 22, that thy faith fail not. He said, I have prayed for thee. Peter was not an unbeliever. He was not like Judas Iscariot. He was not an unbeliever. He just acted like one for a time. And this is what sin does. It robs Christians of their peace. One Puritan preacher referred to sins as killjoys. And it has rightly been said that if we love inward peace, we must walk closely with God. That's where peace is to be found, when you're in the center of the will of God. Now look at Peter's tears. Peter's tears reveal great sadness, no doubt. But they also indicate godly sorrow. Gospel repentance. Let me just say, I don't believe that Peter was a man who was easily made to cry. All that I know of Peter in the Gospels, he doesn't strike me uh, as a weak or soft or effeminate individual at all. He was a strong man. You would have liked Peter if you're a, a lover of men's men. He was, a, he was a man's man. He was a strong character. But he had tear ducts in his eyes like everybody else. And he wept bitterly. Tears of repentance. Godly sorrow. And in that respect, it's interesting to note the contrast between him and Judas Iscariot. Now, their actions were similar. When you think about it, Judas denied Christ. 
but in a very different way. I'll show you this from Mark 14, verse 21, where it says that Jesus prophesied the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. But when you go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, in verse 31 and 32, you have the Lord telling Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The Lord said to Peter what he never said to Judas. And he said to Judas what he never said to Peter. The Lord never said of Simon Peter, it had been good for that man if he had never been born. No, he said, I've, I've, prayed for, I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. Judas is a hypocrite and a reprobate. And yes, it's true that he was sorry for betraying Jesus. This much is revealed to us in Matthew chapter 27 from verse 3. Judas was filled with remorse and regret for what he did. Let me read these verses. Matthew 27 from verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. He realizes that he's done wrong. He's full of remorse. He's full of regret. But it wasn't godly sorrow. How do you know? Because he went out and hung himself in despair. Took a rope and hung himself over a cliff until his bowels gushed out. Judas was a reprobate. He was a hypocrite. But not Peter. Peter's tears were bitter tears of repentance. You see, Peter's a child of God. Peter's a child of God who has been overtaken by sin, but who rises again by true repentance and by the grace of God his life is renewed and amended and restored. What a wonderful story this is of grace. And you ought to be encouraged today, whatever your situation. Holy men and women may sin greatly, but they also repent greatly. They mourn over their sins. They confess their sins. Their sins grieve the Lord and grieve their own hearts. But they, if they're truly saved, they return and they find cleansing and restoration. We read in 1 John, the epistle, in the closing words of chapter 1, about believers sinning. 1 John chapter 1 from verse 10. If we say, and he's talking to believers here, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, that's God, a liar, and his word is not in us. So there's none of us that are going to say, hopefully, we have not sinned. Yes, we have. But look at the next verse. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And, and the conjunction there is capable of two translations, and or but. So you could read this, but... But, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 
and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The Lord Jesus is our advocate with the Father. This is a Greek word from which we would get the word attorney. A representative, one who appears for us. You know, it's interesting that word that's translated advocate there in 1 John 2 verse 1. It's translated in John 14 verse 16 as comforter. Paracletus. It's referring there in John 14 to the Holy Spirit. It's referring in 1 John 2 verse 1 to Christ. He is our advocate. He is our paraclete. He's the one called alongside to help. He is our attorney. He is our comforter with the Father. Yes, we have sinned, but thank God we can say, Blessed be the fountain of blood to a world of sinners revealed. Blessed be the dear Son of God, only by His stripes are we healed. Though I've wandered far from His fold, bringing to my heart pain and woe, wash me in the blood of the Lamb, and I shall be whiter than snow. And we sang that other verse too, didn't we? Father, I have wandered from Thee. Often has my heart gone astray. Crimson do my sins seem to me. Water cannot wash them away. Jesus, to that fountain of Thine, leaning on Thy promise I go. Cleanse me by Thy washing divine. And I shall be whiter than snow, whiter than the snow, whiter than the snow. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb, and I shall be whiter than snow. And that's what Peter experienced. Someone said Peter had been crowing about his great devotion to Christ, but his pride was rebuked by the crowing of a haughty animal, a bird, because the voice of that rooster spoke volumes to him. May we remember today our weakness, our own propensity to sin and bring it to Christ. May the Lord help us to do what Peter didn't do, and that is to watch and to pray that we enter not into temptation. May God give us an ongoing and a true hatred of sin and backsliding. And if we've denied the Lord in any way, shape or form, and who hasn't? And thank God we may repent and be restored. We haven't time to study it today, but John chapter 21 is a wonderful study in Peter's restoration from backsliding. The last time we saw him before the cross was standing at a fire of coals, warming his hands with the enemies of the Lord. After Christ's resurrection, We see Peter out there fishing and he comes from the boat because he sees the Lord on the shore. And what does the Lord have on the shore? A fire of coals. Amazing, isn't it? The Lord has built a fire of coals. And he's got laid on there fish and bread. And he's ready to feed the disciples. Come and dine, he said. And there as they had what one preacher called breakfast on the beach. The Lord dealt with Peter specifically and particularly. 
and reminded Peter of his threefold denial because he asked him three times, Peter, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved when he asked him the third time. Why? Because he had denied the Lord three times. But then the Lord said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Follow me. The very thing that Jesus said away at the beginning. When Peter was there fishing, the Lord came by and said, Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Here he is again in John 21. He has that call renewed to him. Follow me. We find Peter on the day of Pentecost preaching and thousands of people are converted. The the wonderful grace of God in the life of Peter is a study in itself. And it's great encouragement to us to know that we have a God who is ready to pardon. A God who is ready to receive those who repent and those who come to him. I trust today that if anyone is watching on or listening and you're not saved, that you'll come to the Lord in repentance and faith and find forgiveness for your sins. And if you are a believer and you know that you've failed the Lord in some way, shape or form, that you'll also come to that fountain filled with blood and you'll wash again and be clean and go on your way rejoicing. May the Lord do this for his own glory. Amen.